Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey everyone, welcome to the 411th episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, screenwriting, and directing. This episode is brought to you by patron Caroline Craighead. Check out her website. Awesome URL, actually. Craighead, C-R-E-A-G-H-E-A-D.com. She's a producer and director of Things You'll Enjoy. I'm Oren Kaplan. And I'm Matt Enlo. Today we've got a Matt and Oren episode. We are talking about director's cuts, why you should do them, what the values are, a few tips and tricks, and a few ways to take a cut that maybe you don't necessarily love and turn it into something that you're really proud of that you can share with your peers and the internet at large so that we can um, get more work, which is kind of the ultimate goal. Agreed. But before, what was yesterday, Matt? What my mom called Super Sunday. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the Super Bowl of advertising, which is the Super Bowl. The big game, as I like to say. The big game is the code word for corporations that don't decide to license the Super Bowl, which is trademarked. So people refer to it as the big game. So when you watch a commercial and they're like, honey, the big game is on. Wait, is that really a thing? Yeah. Are you serious? I've never worked on projects with such a low budget that we're not allowed (laughs) to reference the Super Bowl. (laughs) I think it's a very common thing, actually. Like most Super Bowl commercials don't say the Super Bowl. Um, mine did. Well, <laughs> because you were literally <laughs> advertising the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. Anyhow. So yeah, the Super Bowl was on yesterday. We both yeah. went to insane parties, mm-hmm. but there were commercials and, you know, we were going to just spend a couple minutes to talk about our favorite ones. Yeah. Listen, this is a podcast about filmmaking, screenwriting and directing and, uh, directing commercials as part of that. We talk about commercials all the time. Yeah. Lots of screenwriters. Dream of one day screenwriting a Super Bowl commercial. Sure. Obviously, the Super Bowl is the biggest day in advertising. Wait, I'm going to tell you a quick unrelated story that's just slightly related. I was in Palm Springs with some friends a couple weeks ago. It was another couple and the the husband, uh, it was Grant actually, he's been on the podcast, got a call when we were in Palm Springs from uh, someone that works in on sound for commercials and was like, Grant, we need some voices. So we're just calling like a few friends. We need some people to just do some like reactions for this commercial I'm editing or whatever. It's like, well, you do it. And Grant was like, uh, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll do it. No problem. And then later on, like, I think they were all in a text chain, all the friends that were going to help out this other guy that just needed to record some Walla or whatever it was, some reactions and some commercial. And he's like, oh, you know, well, we needed seven people, but actually now we only need five. And then we were all hanging out in Palm Springs and, we were like wanted to hang out longer and Grant was like, Oh, okay, well I guess I'll, I'll bow out then because I'm in Palm Springs and we're going to hang out here longer. And anyway, so he ended up not doing it. Like he was one of the two people that just volunteered to not do the sound. And of course, then it became a Super Bowl commercial and every Mm -hmm. single person then that did the sound like literally just one night of like reactions, like just audio reactions got $35,000. (laughs) thirty five thousand dollars yeah yeah and i i'd like to think i was slightly involved in you know convincing them to like stay in palm springs a little bit longer Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so you cost your friend thirty five thousand dollars yeah because you know if you're happen to be a voice in a commercial that ends up being sag that ends up airing during the super bowl you 
make a lot of money. Well, and so not to, to get too nerdy about the nature of the different styles of commercials, but on the spectrum of prestige versus data-driven, results-oriented advertising, right? You've got a, a pretty large spectrum. We've all done spots where it's like some creative director is like, you got to make sure that you say the name of the product within five seconds because we know this is going to mostly be a media buy on YouTube and you got to get it in before that skip button, right? Mm-hmm. Like people are just trying to drive sales. And on the other end, you get your... What, what are called awareness campaigns. Their intention, their media plan is to buy broadcast commercials where people aren't going to change the channel as much. They're just going to sit there and wait for the commercial to be over. And I'm going to be more aware of Coca-Cola for having seen that commercial. And the, they're not looking to like drive sales in the same data-driven way. At the tip of that iceberg, the, the, the creme de la creme, this last Super Bowl was the most popular telecast since the moon landing really i'd assume more people watch the super bowl than the moon landing i mean i guess it depends on the population of america when we landed on the moon and how many of them had tvs sure sure supposedly like 124 million people watch the super bowl yeah so it's a huge number i have one more uh derailment tiny story but there's this director i've met and he was at the super bowl party yesterday there's this company film supply that sells stock footage you can pitch short film ideas to them. And if they feel like you will get the type of footage that they can resell, mm-hmm. they will finance your mm-hmm. short film. I've got a short film about business people greeting each other <laughs> and shaking hands. Love it. Booked. Well, so this director I know got them to finance one of his shorts. It's a little tricky because you have to get everyone in the cast to sign away mm-hmm. the rights mm-hmm. to be not get paid for stock footage stuff, but you get to make a short film for free. Basically they finance it a few tens of thousands of dollars. They will give you, you know, you have to pitch them and they have to agree that what you're getting is valuable. And they might even say like, Oh, why don't you get a, a another shot, another take without sure. any actors in it. Yeah. Yeah. In this that, uh, abandoned warehouse or whatever. That's a worthwhile deal. I feel like, like if you added additional shots or augmented them mm-hmm. less for your short film and more for their needs, but like, it's in the same setup or something. That seems totally reasonable. Yeah. And the director I spoke to, he said they they had some requests, but they weren't like have to haves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, we were watching the Super Bowl and one of his shots from his short film <laughs> was in a Super Bowl commercial. <laughs> and so he was, I was just, I was sitting next to him and like the DP was texting him, the producer, That's all these people so were like, funny. uh, are we, did we make a Super Bowl commercial? Like what's going on here? How much are we making off this? Yeah. And sure. he's like, nothing. Uh, guys, nothing. I'm sorry. Yeah. So he shot footage for the Super Bowl that was in a Super Bowl commercial and he didn't get anything. He's like, That's really ah, funny. maybe I should have included a clause. <laughs> if my footage is used for a Super Bowl commercial, I get paid a little extra. I'm sure that's just a non-starter. I'm sure they're just like, no, like you can't be responsible for chasing down like a filmmaker for one strange exception, you know? Yeah. My favorite commercial by far is the Reese's Pieces commercial. It's directed by Harold Einstein. It's narrated by Will Arnett. And he talks about how they're changing something about Reese's Pieces and everyone in the room that's watching this commercial ostensibly goes insane. Like, bashes their heads through walls and just is so upset. And Will Arnett is like slowly like walking them off the ledge and convincing them everything's going to be okay. And any single thing he says, they just have gigantic reactions to. And it's simultaneously simple, but also like complicated Mm -hmm. to execute perfectly. Yeah. I mean, it's a big tableau, right? So Mm -hmm. like... But static shots, very Harold Einstein style. So I assume it's probably... A composite, right? Like they're probably stitching a bunch of different takes together to cherry pick their favorites. Though I could imagine that like once you dial in the performance, it's relatively easy to replicate, I guess. Yeah. It's like 10 people doing crazy things at the same time. Just like, ah! Yeah. It probably is pretty easy to retime and kind of mix and match. So what's interesting to me about this piece, I loved it. Boy, he's like, Harold Einstein is like the funny, he's the funniest. 
It's yeah. like the best, best spots. We've um, talked about him on the podcast before, but if you want to check out his work, he has a company called Dummy Films, which so you know, great. it's funny because yeah. his name is Einstein. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what's, what I'm realizing though, is that I had seen it during the game, just like out of the corner of my eye, I was probably like, Oh, another slice of cheese pizza. Okay. Um, and did not clock it really. Like it didn't register for me, yeah. which is it's, the thing that's funny about all of this is that like now there's that halo effect that you were talking about before where people will look it up on, you know, social media, people will share, Oh my God, I thought this was the funniest commercial. Like there's more exposure opportunities. Mm-hmm. And especially but, in the commercial industry, like ad agencies pay very sure. c- close attention to all those to all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And all probably earned media. Who, they call it, right? Yeah. Who directed it. Yeah, definitely. But, um, but it's funny that in the instance of like me, a person who was mostly interested in the commercials and I loved the spot, I didn't even like notice, notice it, it which is probably game. true for most commercials, honestly, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. what do you think of that Scorsese spot Squarespace? Oh, I don't know that I saw it. You mean the, not the Squarespace one from last year with Adam Driver. No, it was like all these people looking at their phones and not noticing that aliens are invading Earth. Oh. oh and then the aliens finally that. make a website. And then people are <laughs> Yes, like, I did oh. see that. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, if you want to be noticed, make a website. Okay. Yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was funny. That's, that's a thing. Sometimes you get Scorsese and an unlimited budget and a cool brand. And you're like, yeah, that is what I expected it to be. Yeah. And I yeah. think a good Super Bowl spot defies expectations mm-hmm. my two favorites were both celebrity driven i liked the state farm arnold schwarzenegger one where they have him it's a riff on him saying like a good neighbor yeah and them and it's playing on the nostalgia and the right self-deprecation of these movie mm-hmm. stars and the ending is really great the danny devito part sure yeah it's a twins homage right wonderful um and then i also liked the michael sarah v spot it was legitimately funny but also you know it sounds like there was a lot of different activations around it so it wasn't just michael Sarah. they also had kind of like some viral stunts i know they mailed influencers michael Sarah v packages where like you know it was Sarah v products but with michael Sarah's face on them and things like that like they really kind of made it a <clears throat> sort of a cross-platform sort of activation to use the jargon of the times yeah I liked DoorDash. They kind of did a stunty spot where they put this promo code on the screen, but it was like really hard to read. Oh, funny. The camera's like flying all over the place and the promo code is written in 3D space and then like goes <laughs> through a house into a backyard and then they have it just scroll super fast like on screen. But if you put the promo code into DoorDash, you'll get every single thing that was advertised during the Super Bowl. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> and somebody wanted someone like probably went frame by frame and wrote down the code and went to DoorDash and put the code. Probably multiple people did, but I think there's like whoever did it first won everything. Great. <laughs> I that's assume awesome. like the cars and the Doritos and everything. And I, I like the Doritos spot it, and the Dina Mita one with like Jenna Ortega. Mm-hmm. It's stupid. It's like kind of what you expected Doritos spot to be. Do they still do that Doritos competition? The commercial? I don't think so. I feel like we would be aware of it still. Anyhow, I'm sure people don't care that much what commercials we liked. but <laughs> Sure. But, you know, listen, I, I, all I'm really trying to say is if we, we talk about commercials so much, it's nice to like and celebrate commercials for their own sake. Totally. We'll talk about the Oscars next week. Oh, yeah. Ooh, you know what I just did? Hmm. We don't have Paramount Plus, even though, you know, I made mm-hmm. the commercial for the Super Bowl. I asked them if I could get free Paramount Plus and they said no. It's Uh, pretty affordable, by the way. Yeah, but if you want to watch like the live events, you sometimes they require you to have the Paramount Plus with Showtime, which is like $80 a month or something. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like if you wanted to watch the Grammys. But I realized I bought today an antenna (laughs) that (laughs) I'm going to connect to my TV and you can get like CBS, ABC, Fox and... Yeah, broadcast. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Whatever, yeah, whatever the broadcast channels are for free, totally free. I can watch the Oscars and all that stuff. How are you watching the Oscars? You know, what's funny is that we always will get like YouTube TV or something for the month and spend 
$80 for that month just to watch the Oscars. It's insane how expensive that, it is, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I bought this antenna for $35. I'll let you, when I get it, I'll give you a review of whether let it works know. or not. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm like, whenever the, the four times a year that I want to see some live event that's being broadcast on one of these networks, I'll just plug it in. Yeah. Before we start this episode, I want to let you know that our friend Zach Lepofsky, who is another fellow filmmaker, he's directing the next Final Destination movie. Death is coming for all of us. Is that what it's called? I don't know. Final Destination Death is coming for all of us. Anyhow, he is also the creator of Shotlister, an app that lets you make shot lists and keep track of them and coordinate with your whole crew on what shots. You can rearrange your shots during the day. You can put notes. You can do all sorts of crazy things. And it can be on your iPhone. You can set up everything on your Mac. And the reason we're bringing this up right now is because they just came out with a brand new version, version 5.0. And he asked us if we wanted to give it away for free. It's usually $99, but he's giving the pro version away for free to listeners of the Just Shoot It podcast. You can go to the app store to Shotlister and you will be able to get the pro version for free. And it will also give you the Mac OS version for free. So you can work on it on both your laptop and your phone. But Oren, how do I get my free shot lister? To get your free shot lister, Matt, you can go to our Instagram page. We're at Just Shoot It Pod on Instagram. And we'll have a link in our bio that will take you directly to the app store with the promo code included in that link. So if you want a free shot listing software that many people swear by and that is created by an actual real working filmmaker director go to our instagram at just shoot it pod right now you know follow us while you're at it right if you click subscribe then the shots that you list in shot list are guaranteed to be good mm-hmm. that's right yeah the little special sauce or your money back enough of that Oren. yes let's talk director's cuts Let's do it. So what is a director's cut? Yeah, define our terms here. Oftentimes in commercials, we are looped out of the post process earlier than we'd like and or certain decisions are made about the way that an edit comes together based off of things that we're less concerned about, right? Like runtime being the an easy one, but more likely, you know, client expectations or preferences. Like we can say like, oh, this take is clearly the best. But if, you know, the product is obscured a tiny bit or something like that, they would make a decision to preference something over the things that we perhaps care about more. Yeah, I'm working. I'm in post on a job right now and the client is having us replace almost all of the dolly shots, like the push ins and the tracks Mm -hmm. with static versions. Mm -hmm. And, And did they did they explain why? They just thought it was like too much moving camera they they're they just want everything to be crystal clear and easy to process why do they hire you i i don't know they're like no don't move the camera cut after the whip pan on and before the whip pan off this is my second time doing this campaign and the first time i was upset that they barely used any wide shots they used the wide shot in the beginning to establish and then it was like all medium shots and you know my like pet peeve is comedy spots that are all medium shots yeah, you hate medium um, shots. It's not that I hate them. I just hate when it's medium, 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 medium. Um, and I really thought my director's cut had some more wide shots in there. And then they did testing. They tested the spots, you know, with the focus group and all that stuff. And the feedback was, oh, it just felt like we're looking at a lot of the same shot. And these are from non-film people. And I was like, yeah, because we didn't use any two shots. <laughs> we didn't use any wide shots. <laughs> um, so this is the same client. And, the, and I, my whole pitch to them, I was like, this year. It's going to be all white shots, baby. Camera's going to move. It's going to be dynamic. We're going to feel the connection between these characters. And then now we're in the edit. And they're like, remove all camera moves, please. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I think just to take a quick step back, I think like from a, a bigger picture point of view, at least for me, and I don't know where you sit on the spectrum, but I feel like to advance your career, especially in like short form stuff, Every year I need to create like three, at least one commercial that's better than anything I've shot before, um, like one sample, and then hopefully two, three, or even four that are going to make it to my website, hopefully close to the top of my website, that I can say like, 
hey, this is Orrin Kaplan 2022, and this is Orrin Kaplan 2023, and this is Orrin Kaplan 2024. And you should be able to see, at the very least, a consistency of like good quality things, but ideally, things are getting better and better. And the worst case scenario is that my best spot I ever shot was in 2022. And then in 2023, there was two okay ones. And in 2024, there's one kind of bad one, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, best is kind of a complicated thing. I would maybe tweak it a little bit because we all have our favorites and like, you know, how many times has your rep led with something where you're like, oh, that's not my favorite. And you book the job because you know, they have more insight into things or whatever, or like, uh, you know, they just click with it and more. I think in particular, in your case, seeing the narrative of things scaling up, right? Like if you start with like, oh yeah, these are some funny spots and it's two people talking in a room or whatever, and then they eat a chip and whatever. It's hard to escalate off that. But if you see, oh, now the camera's moving more, or now there's more extras, or now it's a movie star, or now there's a flamethrower, Especially when your area of expertise and interest is in a spectacle, right? Like you want it to be funny and also for there to be a flamethrower. Seeing that progress connects the dots for people a little bit more as well. It's like it doesn't make sense for every single one of your spots to be as dynamic as that like you need to show variety you know it's still a work in progress blah 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 but if you can see like oh man there's a couple bangers on here and those are the new things that people are excited to check out i think that's great and the other thing being of course when you reach out or post something on instagram and then people are like oh, i wonder what oren's been up to where they click through and there's a few fresh things that obviously looks good. You know, work begets work. It's also obviously a very easy excuse to reach out to someone like, hey, owner of commercial agency, mm-hmm. how's it going? I was nice seeing you, you know, or seeing your post the mm-hmm. other day. By the way, here's some new work I, ma- I made. I'd love to mm-hmm. work with you again. Uh, it's, just, it's just an excuse. And if you are not excited about your work and, you know, mm-hmm. I'm... We probably we all are. I mean, you and I are pretty picky about our stuff. Like we don't want to show people things that we don't like. It's hard to reach out, do that reach out when you're like, hey, here's a spot. It would have been better, you know, but the edit sucks. But we just we got caught up on the other spot. And so this one got cut short. And on client work as directors, we don't like you said, we are in charge of the shoot, basically. Right. And then. If we get really lucky, we get a round of notes in the edit Mm -hmm. and we can talk to the editor a little bit. But usually we don't get final cut on our commercials, right? Their goal is to either brand identity, move products, be as inoffensive as possible, right? Mm -hmm. Minimize risks. And they also take notes from the executives at the company that a lot of them do not are not filmmakers. They don't care about winning Clio. Or have even just like worked the footage know what other options there are yeah you know and so especially when you have an editor that like doesn't quite get what you were going for they might show an edit and like a joke isn't working and people will be just cut the joke you know it doesn't work and you Mm -hmm. as the filmmaker Mm -hmm. know like well it's not working because the music is supposed to pause before Mm -hmm. this guy burps or something right we couldn't even hear the burp and of course it just felt like it was awkward instead of funny I'm like very steeped in the world of commercials. You know, both of us have done a lot of short form stuff, but I do think this potentially would apply to TV. I I don't know that much, but any, any client work, anytime someone hires you, anytime you're not the person paying for the the work you want to have the cut, like famously like Zack Snyder wanted his own cuts for some of the DC movies he made and, and other feature filmmakers we've heard of have done their director's sure, cut. Sure, a director's yeah. got final cut. But yeah. for short form pieces, especially when every frame counts, uh, like I, I personally look at my 2023 and I look at all my projects and I think, okay. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. A couple of them came out pretty good. You know, like I did this Pinterest thing. They cut a teaser for it. I think the teaser works on its own. That I'm probably not going to touch that much more. But then I have a few projects where I'm like, I shot it. Like I, I shot this Popeye's commercial. And it really needed to be like a 20 second commercial. But, <laughs> but it was a 15. And so in my mm-hmm. mind, it just cut way too fast. And like the jokes. Yeah. We, and we had and, to remove and, jokes. And honestly, that is the real reason the most common reason why I think you and I both would prefer to put together a director's cut is that like we are the most acutely aware of how long things need to like breathe and to hit and for whatever reason there's just wishful thinking sometimes from an agency that's just like overworking a script or whatever or sometimes there's these rtbs right reasons to believe yeah sometimes you have a product and they really want to mention that you know this microphone is usb and it is a condenser microphone and you're like well, people don't really care that it's condenser. They want to hear what it sounds like. So for our director's cut, we might remove that part of the information. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's, I think, what to me a director's cut is. Like, I'll never make a director's cut and not send it out. So like today I finished my Popeye's director's cut and tomorrow I will figure out some angle on Instagram mm-hmm. and post it. And then I will send it to all my reps and say, hey, by the way, I made a director's cut of Popeye's. And then I'll send it to everyone that worked on it. Here's the latest cut of Popeye's that my director's cut. Uh, and then I'll probably put it on LinkedIn and tag the agency or something. Right. Um, but so, yeah, that that's why I'm very into them. And the problem is that they're really hard to make because you have to be the whole post department. Mm-hmm. The way I see it, kind of the three different levels of director's cut that we can get into. But real quick, before we get into that, you had mentioned this when we were brainstorming on this of like why not to make a director's cut. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there are political issues there, right? There there are things at play. You don't want to hurt people's feelings or manipulate footage in a way that like they haven't approved or, or don't like for some reason, you know? And also, you know, you kind of do need to get some people on your side. It's not necessarily something that people are super stoked on so like if you're getting footage from an editor or from a dit or something like that sometimes that feels that can give a vibe of like going behind someone's back yeah i'm a huge believer in like always bringing a hard drive with you to set and always getting a copy of the footage when you leave i don't know why a producer would care about it i think that the filmmaker should be able to have the footage, not just so they can do make their own cuts, but also so that they can like point out takes and things to the editor. Mm-hmm. They can look mm-hmm. through things um, and be helpful in post. But I think it's important when you make a director's cut to never, never say like, this is a better edit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The client cut sucks. My cut is good. It's more about the client cut serves the client needs and mm-hmm. the director's cut serves the director's needs. And the director's needs oftentimes are also the DP's needs. Mm-hmm. And maybe the cast needs and they are about the filmmaking. We want good performances. We want good 
color. We want good pacing. We want good comedy. Whereas the client wants good results. We want to <laughs> sell. Sure. We want awareness. Right. right. Good is all is always relative. Right. So um, good to a client can be like, oh, that really reflects the core values of what our product is or the colors really match the Pantone of the style guide or whatever it is. Our rubric is different. Right. Mm hmm. Some of the things that I think of as the big liberties you get with the director's cut is, first of all, you can use any music you want, mm -hmm. you know, you want like I was messing around with the White Lotus soundtrack for a director's cut the other day and I showed it to my wife, Kara, and she was like, absolutely not. This, yeah. this ruins your entire commercial. Music tends to be something that like I think more or less people get on the same page pretty early. And also I think that oftentimes it's the least likely for music to change. Yeah, but sometimes you can, if you put a famous song in your spot, especially if you do kind of non-dialogue driven things, like I did that, the Sparkbox campaign, it's like a montage of different mm -hmm. people and their dogs and these items. And I have a cut that's kind of like my softer, more like emotional cut. And I use like that song, 500 Miles, mm -hmm. you know, if I would walk 500 miles, it's like about these people and their dogs. And like, obviously we can never in a bazillion years afford that song for this campaign. But in my cut, now I have, you know. Sure. It, now it sort of seems like, oh, wow, this is like a pretty big campaign. That's an expensive song, you know. Yeah. You still have to edit the song really well. And I actually like found a cover of it because I felt like it <laughs> that was, was less distracting. Yeah, yeah. If it was a cover, you know, the social network had the that amazing cover in their trailer of uh, creep mm -hmm. by like some it's a children's choir actually yeah oh that's awesome yeah so it's like you get to do those types of things you also don't have to worry about legal stuff in in, in general like trust me if a legal department of a brand heard us saying this they'd probably <laughs> disagree they'd be like you can't post your own version of our commercial even <laughs> yeah we own that but for me it's like music i can change color grade the timing, sound design, a lot of times legal will, departments just will not let you do things you want to do in the commercial mm -hmm. or you'll film them and they'll say like, yeah, we're worried this is like a little controversial in some way. And you're like, yeah, that's what makes it good. It is the burp, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so that that's what you get to do. You get to kind of do your vision, but it's hard to do a director's cut, like I mentioned, because you are the entire post department. And so I made this little list of like the things that are important to get from a shoot mm -hmm. after it's been edited, you know, from a post house or whoever is editing your, your work. And so I, I don't know what you think of my list here, Matt, I'll go through it real quick and Hit let it. know yeah. if you agree or disagree. I put these in order of most important to least important. The number one most important thing you need to get is the audio stems. Audio mm -hmm. stems are the dialogue, the sound effects, the music, the ambiences, anything else. Um, because once you have those separated, you can retime everything. And actually, on this podcast, we've talked about this Adobe Remix tool and Adobe Premiere. I think you've used it a couple mm -hmm. times, too. And yeah, we're like, exactly. dude, this works. And I just used it. I'm pretty sure I told you about it. Well, it's a way to take music and just change the length of it to fit whatever tweaks you've done to your edit. It's a really amazing tool. It's the audio remix tool in Adobe Premiere. And if you have the music separate, you can retime everything. So to me, that's the number one thing. Because if you have that and you even have like an H.264 copy mm -hmm. of your commercial that you downloaded from YouTube or your short film or whatever branded video, you can start changing things. Mm -hmm. And then the next most important thing is if you can get a ProRes, you know, 444, like high quality version of your, the final edit. That's awesome. And then next, I would say the most important thing is like graphics and logos. And if there's any animated elements separate from the video, mm -hmm. now you can control where the cuts are and what the color looks like. Only after that, I think the next most important thing is to get the footage the, mm -hmm. from the camera. And the reason I say that is because having that footage, you're really starting from scratch. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, it's like a Herculean task. You have to be the entire post department and you have to be as good or better than an entire post department to make the files coming straight out of your red or black magic or your Alexa get there. Yeah. Yeah. So, so really what you're saying is there's kind of two different points where you need to hand someone a drive. There's like at wrap, 
right? Like, okay, I need my footage. I need my audio. That's yeah. just like you go to the DIT. Yeah. First AC, whoever on that set is downloading the producer, the camera people. Yeah. And I have, and bring them a fast drive that you don't have to plug in to a, a power outlet. Yeah. Yeah. No, no power outlets. That That's a good point. I have a stack of drives with a bunch of raw footage on them. And it's to your point, it's really handy if you want to be able to like come through the footage, you know, circle back and tell them like, oh, I think this take was really good. Or, you know, you can reference things in conversation. It's really valuable to have it. But to your point, I have never cracked open one of those drives if I only had the footage and created a a director's cut from it. it's, It's not really helpful. Right. So then you need to get. Uh, you need to make friends with the editor, right? Or like at least who whoever is responsible for delivering the piece to get the stems, the proxies, ProRes, all of that stuff. Where I find that footage actually the most helpful is right after the shoot is I'll have all the footage and I'll just start just randomly throwing it together and sending it to the editor and saying like, hey, here's how I imagine these pieces yeah. cutting together. But after that, yeah, cracking open the footage is... So rare. The only time you really need the camera raw files is if you're going to do a, a new color grade from scratch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I think the nice thing about that mentality of it being into not starting purely from scratch, actually literally from scratch, is a much more approachable situation. And perhaps, depending on your relationship with the editor, especially if you're the person that got them hired, you can always say like, hey, bookmark, like duplicate this, this sequence and mark it for me. This is, this is the, as close as we're going to get to my director's cut before we start unraveling everything. And that, I think that's pretty common because oftentimes, you know, if you are involved in post, there'll be a moment where like you get to walk a client or an agency through your, like present your cut basically. And then they start tweaking and dismantling things, yeah, you know, ruining it, yeah. mostly ruining it. The, but the problem is like, if your cut was great and all the agency did was ruin it, then it would be easy. Cause you'd say mm-hmm. like, Oh, just go back to my cut. And then can we just send that to the colorist and have them recolor it? And can right. we, yeah. would you mind doing a sound mix or at least giving me the stem so I can kind of zhuzh it together? The problem is after the director's cut, they usually like 80% of what they're doing is ruining it, but 20% is making it better. Or, or the other way around. Doesn't really matter. Like, yeah. Or occasionally the other way around. Yeah. Like, but so now you want some of your things, mm-hmm. but also some of their things they did totally make sense and are better. And so that that's where it starts getting really hard. Well, and we're also not talking about like if it's really VFX intensive, right? Because then yeah, getting then, a picture lock and then getting an, an fully animated character, for instance. Then you're you're kind of screwed. Yeah. But so something that you had mentioned, which I thought was smart, is like so what I what I'm calling level one of the director's cut is you Basically, just take the longest cut, which was your idea. You're like, give me the the 45 second version mm-hmm. of this, the 60 second, the 90 second version, the two minute version of this short form thing. And I'm going to make a beautiful 30 second version of it. And then you really get to get rid of all the stuff you don't like and just keep the best mm-hmm. stuff you like. And mm-hmm. if you have the stems, you can change out the music or re-edit things a little bit and make it really sing. And even if you don't have the stems, you can still probably get a 30 second that you're excited about if you've got that long form, you know? Yeah. Depending, give or take. But like you can get pretty creative. I can think of the beginning of my career. It was like lots of branded content, lots of sketches. And I fashioned all of those into 30s. almost always just with like whatever the long form was. Yeah. And it depends really on like music, how easy it is to do that. I did this campaign. It's three 60 second spots. Every single one is too long. You know, they just Mm -hmm. feel bloated. And I know it's like next on my list. I'm going to cut three thirties out of them and I'm just going to take the 60 and cut it down to 30. So that's level one. Level two is you do have the stems and you get to redo the audio, retime the edit but you're using 100% the existing footage of the final cut. Mm-hmm. And again, like you said, if you could get the longest cut, they had like 
a 48 second cut and you're editing a 30 second version, then you can really move frames. I also do a lot of retiming, you know, and like mm-hmm. speed ramping. And it's like, ooh, I think this shot would be funnier if it just lasted four more frames. And so I think that to me is level two where you're separating all the elements that they made and then putting them back together. And then level three, and it's kind of what I did on this Popeye's spot is the whole, the whole thing. I went back to the original footage. I used their music, but I retimed the whole music. Mm-hmm. And then I redid all my own VFX. I added a bunch of VFX. I asked them for the graphics. They couldn't find them. So I took, stripped all their graphics off the original cut, the client cut, and put them back on my cut. Remixed all the audio, re-recorded all the Foley, had my wife and I do like sound effects, mm-hmm. recorded doors, opening footsteps. I used Croto Studio, uh, you know, our sponsor to redo all the footsteps and some other ambient type sound things and some whooshes. That's level three. And that's like, you got to have a week off of work <laughs> to do yeah, that. You, you dig in on it. Let me ask, did you start with the client cut and like kind of piece that together like it would be kind of nice to be like, okay, this is my guide of like just basically recreating the quick and dirty version of of more or less what was submitted to the client, the final version. So no, so this one is a special case because it's a 15 second commercial, and the last three seconds are a product shot. Sure, it was shot by sure. someone else. So it's a 12 second commercial. My entire shoot day, I only did six setups, mm-hmm. and I Great. did on Great. average like. 50 takes per setup mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wait, 50- on average you said yeah like my that opening shot i have like 64 takes <laughs> boy oh boy it's insane yeah. yeah and our lead actress if you listen to her deliver the line and take one versus 64 it's, it's her voice does sound different <laughs> yeah so the order of the shots i didn't shoot any coverage i i mm-hmm. wanted to but we ran out of time um and because it's a 15 second and they didn't quite know exactly the wording they wanted and every every take we had like eight or nine different versions of the dialogue just to, to have it be different lengths. Like, is it, does Popeye's have wings in five flavors and five new flavors and new flavors and a variety mm-hmm. of flavors? Cause they weren't sure if it was going to be five or not. But so I just looked through all the takes and picked my favorite, mm-hmm. did my selects, my 10 favorite takes from each thing. And then I whittled them down to this and then I just started putting them together. But I did use their audio stems as my mm-hmm. base so I yeah. started off with their timing and my take selection. Mm-hmm. And, and then, then I started like moving things. So there. that 15 second commercial, my edit of it is 21 seconds long. You remind me though, like we were talking about like, oh, this applies to all sorts of different disciplines of filmmaking. The beauty of the commercial though, is that you went whole hog on like going crazy on this whole thing. And it still took you a matter of days because we're talking about 15 seconds, right? Like mm-hmm. if you, like a director's cut of your feature, yeah, finishing that, redesigning all of the sound design, coloring it yourself, all that stuff. It is just a horse of a different color. Yeah. I was just thinking about this specific thing like yesterday, you know, a director's cut of a feature versus of a TV pilot versus a music video versus a commercial. Yes. In the commercial, every single frame counts. Every word, every syllable, every, everything because it can. I only really have one good joke in that Popeye spot and it, it, they cut it out of the client cut. I think mm-hmm. there's only one part in my cut that pretty reliably someone will at least smile, if not laugh. And so in a 15 second commercial, like the difference between getting that and not getting that is huge. It's like people mm-hmm. liking the commercial or thinking it's like, eh, whatever. So you get to do that. But when you have a more of a narrative and like a sure. TV pilot, Every frame doesn't matter. You know, it's, you're much more mm-hmm. about tone. It's about flow. It's about pacing. And maybe you'll move a cut here. You'll, oh, this character look to the right before they look to the left. You'll do sure. those little tweaks, but you it's can. It's not, obviously not without nuance, but like. You can get through it a lot faster because yeah. you're taking much broader strokes, right? Yeah. You're not changing a take just because the lighting is like a tiny bit better on this take than that mm-hmm. take, you know? Well, look, you know, it depends, but I think your priorities shift and and the scale of it all shifts. The thing that I get a little in my head about with all of this, specifically in commercials, where I feel like I have plenty of gifts and plenty of passions in commercials, but it doesn't come as naturally to me as narrative, you know, like story is it's just, it's just a different beast. There are certain things that objectively I know adding this joke back in that got cut for a, a superfluous reason 
adding it back will make it better. But like color, there's taste. There's like, do I like this better or do I like that better? But does it objectively make the piece better is harder to say. And so there were there are spots that I have that I look back on. I just was watching some the other day where I was like, oh, I buried this. It's not on my website. I didn't tell anybody about it. It's a big campaign that just didn't click for me that I'm like, oh, this actually isn't so bad. But because I was like in a feud with like the VFX artist on like the shade of blue in the background, I was just like, well, this isn't even worth showing people anymore. I know it's spot you're talking about. Yeah, I'm, you know, <laughs> sort of right. Right. Um, I, I have similar things like I did a couple spots last year where I'm like, there's so many good things about this, but the cringeworthy parts are just too... Sure. It's just two or three moments that are cringy that it's like, ah, I cannot show this to people. And sometimes we're right and sometimes we're wrong. But like in a director's cut, you get to rethink every single one of those decisions over and over again. And they can become self-flagellation a little bit, I think. And look, I think also we talk about having, you know, a brain trust, having a group of people where you can be like, is this good or am I going crazy or is this bad? And am I or am I going crazy? And like making sure that you have people you can trust. I can send or in a spot and you can tell me like, you don't put this one on your website or like, Oh, you're, you're being weird. Don't worry about it. Yeah. I showed you my spot today and I was like, Hey, just so you know, I've spent like a week on it. I cannot sure. no notes. like if you have <laughs> notes, just keep them to yourself. Cause I'm going to like, I already spent three days too long on this thing. And, um, well, and I told yeah. you, we walked through each of the things that you changed and I was personally surprised that I thought that, that they moved all the of needle. them objectively moved the needle. I assumed that at least 30% of them would just be like some personal thing of you, you thinking a taste issue rather than like, oh, you actually are adding something that makes it better, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks. Yeah. I mean, the sound, if you saw the sound stuff, you'd be like, no one, no one will ever hear. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We did. You didn't show that to me, especially closely. So that's probably... Where I'd be like, eh, you know, you're, now you're just going crazy. Yeah. My one piece of advice, though, just kind of related, is that if you're doing a director's cut, I highly recommend you give yourself a deadline. Mm. Because the yeah. problem with direct, like the reason client cuts get finished is because they have air dates or they, they have to be done, right? No one, mm -hmm. they're paying the people to work on them. So at some point they're going to stop paying them. But with a director's cut, you can work on it forever. And I think it's super important to say, hey, I'm going to spend a day on the edit, a day on finishing a day on sending it out to people and then I'm done with it and not to go nuts unless it's like a short film for Sundance or something, you know, but, but then it's probably not a client project. Even still, I think the deadline is important. Cool. Well, the last thing I was going to talk about is, so once you've made your director's cut, what do you do? We mentioned this at, at the top, but like you do need to tread lightly. There are, especially if you did like a SAG job, <laughs> sometimes those actors have certain deals with where and when those commercials or whatever they're in are allowed to be aired. Refresh my memory actually also, because um, it, when it's SAG, I believe um, even if you, if you shoot a 30 and you shoot a 15, the 15, if it is not truly a direct lift, mm -hmm. Like shares they, all the frames. With shares the all the frames. Exactly. If there's like, oh, the 15, the punchline is different or like we shortened the tagline or whatever. That is a technically a new spot rather than the mm -hmm. lift. Then it's a significant bump for any actors featured in that 15. Yeah. So there's changing the edit. And then there's also usually in a commercial actors will get bought out even in non-union commercials. Hey, we're going to pay you for the next eight weeks. We're going to air this commercial and we own your face in this commercial. But eight weeks later, we have to renegotiate with you if we want to air it some more. But when you're making a director's cut and you're just putting it on Vimeo and then you're putting it on your Instagram, it's probably going to live on there for a long time. So there is like a sensitivity. It's interesting. Like if you work with a celebrity or someone that's known, like do you tag them when you post your director's cut for your 1500 Instagram followers? On the Reddit job I did. But it, I take it back, it wasn't a director's cut. But it still is like going to live longer on your site than probably yeah. where the media And she commented, is. she was excited to see it, you know. Yeah. But 
Yeah. I mean, look, the flip side of that is that I remember some of my first college humor pieces. People were like, you can't have that up there. This is a SAG commercial. If they found out, we'd get charged a bunch of money. And it was just like on my Vimeo. Yeah. And so I made it private. Yep. Or unlisted link. The best part of Vimeo. No, it's public again. Yeah. In my um, 15 years of doing this, I mean, I guess I haven't been doing commercials for that uh, the whole time, but in the last like five to 10 years that I've been doing this, I have never ever had an issue with an, anything I posted in terms of legal rights or anything, anything yeah. to that, like brands being upset. Or We're whatever. not lawyers. Don't yeah, listen yeah. to us. Yeah. Um, I've done things that probably brands didn't like, but technically illegal perhaps. Yeah. Or against contracts. Yeah. It's small enough that it didn't matter. But I have posted like director's cuts on LinkedIn and tagged the agency creatives. And, you know, and my wording is never like, again, like I hated the agency cut. So I made my own. It's always I love the agency cut. I had some other ideas on things to do. So here's here's the director's cut. And look, you know, agency people oftentimes agree. You know, they are like, oh, if we had 32 and a half seconds. I would love to have included this and they can't do it, but you know, we get to, that's kind of the privilege of, of, of all of that. Um, so I have had my happiest moments <laughs> have been when the agency people will say, Hey, can I, can you send me a downloadable link of your cut? I think oh, I want to use it in my portfolio. A very nice uh, yeah. compliment. So that's, it, it, that's when you, I get excited. Yeah. And then aside from like the Instagram, Facebook of it all, for me, I do put on Vimeo as an unlisted link, which means no one can find it, but I, you can send it to people. I do, if I like, sometimes I'll upload it to Source Creative, that's a commercial mm-hmm. database that I've talked about many times that you have to be a part of to see. And people can find you sometimes through there. And then I do just email it to people. Tom Morris, our past guest, showed me he made a Squarespace page for all the work he did in 2023 and he just sent he's like hey here's my 2023 new work just a, a web page of it and i was like this is awesome I'm, I'm gonna do this except now i have to make all these director's cuts of everything <laughs> yeah so once you make your cut it's a great excuse to reach out to people and say hey here's my cut of this thing and I, i'd love to work with you and i encourage you to lie about the length of the cut obviously they can see that you're quote unquote 30 second commercial is 34 seconds i mean don't call a 67 second commercial a 30 Mm -hmm. but if you're off by a few seconds i don't think it's a big deal and it shows them that you know that you're not supposed to make a 33 second commercial it's a 30 second commercial yeah well we'd love to hear what you all think about director's cuts if you have any tips if you want us to talk about anything else if you think we're completely wrong we'd love to hear you can email us at just shoot it pod at gmail.com before we do our official sign off though matt you got a second for an unpaid endorsement unpaid endorsements yes i do i lost my keys over christmas break what a, what a pain in the butt losing your keys is and i've got like you know the keyless entry key 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 fobs are expensive mm-hmm Basically, it cost me like a thousand dollars to get everything taken care of. I lost the keys. Basically, yeah. is the takeaway, right? Um, and so, you know, I got an aftermarket key fob and blah 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 blah. But I was like, I'm. Once I realized how expensive and how inconvenient it was going to be for me, I was like, I'm going to get a tile or any of those trackers so that I can always find my keys. Because if you've ever lost your earbuds or your phone or whatever, you can use the find my phone option to like source them. So I was like, I need something like that. I'm relatively forgetful. My keys fall out of my pants. They're also really bulky because I've got studio keys and office keys and all this stuff. And so I hate keys. So anyway, so far I've got the tile and I'm loving it. And it was $30 for two. That's awesome. Dang. My wife got me AirTags. I think it's a pack of four for like $100. Mm -hmm. And we've done kind of the obvious things. Like you, you know, put them in like your kid's pocket when you go to Universal Studios or Disneyland Mm -hmm. or something. Mm -hmm. Put them in luggage when you're traveling. But recently we got permit parking on my street in Silver Lake, California. Mm -hmm. And we got two guest passes. And I, mm-hmm. we have an Airbnb and usually the people in the Airbnb have a car and almost immediately they took the passes, 
back to Iowa with them or wherever they came from and claimed that they had no idea where they were and that they left mm-hmm. them in the apartment. Mm-hmm. And unbeknownst to me, you were allowed to lose one pass per year in Los Angeles mm-hmm. for them mm-hmm. to replace it. Otherwise, you have, you're, you're out. So they replaced one pass for me. So I only had one pass and I was just like living in fear mm-hmm. that my tenants would be in a hurry. They'd take their car, rental car back to the airport and, and then the parking pass would yeah. be there and they'd be like, who cares? So I took one of my air tags and I like, you know, package taped it sure. to the parking pass and I was like, okay, so now our parking pass has an air tag on it. And then the first time we did it, I said to my wife, I was like, I hope our guests don't don't get weirded out by the fact that I'm tracking their <laughs> sure, sure. location at all times. And she got really worried. So I wrote this whole letter explaining why we have mm-hmm. air tags. And then we gave it to the first guests and we never did it again. So now, now <laughs> we basically, uh, yeah. unintentionally, uh, you know, surveillance state Kaplan over yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> but now we know where their car is at all times, which, uh, we well, don't, we don't actually handy. know, but we kinda could handy. know. Yeah. You could know. Um, well, I'll let you know. Uh, you know what else is nice about it? I don't know if this is true for air tags, but with a tile, they work in reverse as well. So if you have your keys, you can't find your phone. Mm. You hit the button and your phone will chime. Oh, no, that is not an air tag thing. That's very cool. Kathleen, what you got? This is like the least interesting thing ever coming from me because it's just so obvious, but I've already endorsed Conan O'Brien's podcast a million times. It's just like makes me laugh out loud all the time. I was in line at Starbucks today and I was listening to the latest episode and it was Larry David on Conan O'Brien. And I'm just like in this like very sad Starbucks and a Ralph's where there's only one employee, clearly like two employees called in sick and she was making, you know, the most complicated pink drinks for kids and insane things. And I was just standing in line and I couldn't stop cracking up because like Larry David was complaining to Conan O'Brien about how he had to drive from the Palisades to Larchmont to go to this recording and how the the rage was festering in him the entire ride, like realizing how far away this it's recording far. session was. That's far. And, That's far. Yeah. And he's just, Larry David is just so Larry David. Which is funny also because like the Palisades are essentially paradise, right? Beautiful. Mm-hmm. But Larchmont is also very nice. Well, that's the thing about Larry David is he can just find something to complain about anywhere and everywhere. <laughs> He's, you know, it's the final season supposedly of Curb Your Enthusiasm sure. right now. And I found this interview to be so funny. It's Larry David on Conan Needs a Friend. And I think it just came out this past week. So it's that's pretty, my endorsement. If pretty, you want to pretty good. hear someone complaining in a very funny way, listen to it. Anyhow, if you want to find us across all social media at Just Shoot a Pod, you can find me. I'm at OKaplan on Instagram. And I'm at Mr. Matt Enlow across all social media, including Letterboxd. You want to hear my, my daughter has a review for the, the movie Cars, which I put on Letterboxd. Would you like to hear a review, Oren? Sure. She said, that car is talking. Pretty accurate. It's pretty, it's pretty good. I don't know. I've always found it. I love it. Maybe it's just... That my kid said it, but it's funny to me. This episode was produced by Tyler Small and Noah Bayshore. And uh, you're listening to music provided by the Free Music Archive and the artist, Jazar. Thanks, everyone. Goodbye. Thanks. It is funny, but I don't know that it's a review. It's more of like a... Sure, sure, sure. I mean, I guess it is a review. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.